0: Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the Voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the Voice of the Nazarene. And uh, when they arrive at this city of the dead, the cemetery they meet someone that asks him, why are you looking for the living among the dead, knowing that the Christ had resurrected? Now, I'm not sure, perhaps, if maybe this is where the God is dead theories come from, looking for God in a graveyard. Quite a thought, is it? God in a grave. But there's another scripture that I'd like to pull from this morning, and it's found in 1 Peter. It's chapter 3, verse 18, where I'm beginning. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, which the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Catch this by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who's gone into heaven Is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now, Good Friday was all about God through Jesus Christ our Lord has died, died on a cross for the sins of the world. Now they take down his body and uh, they bury it in a tomb. A man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea for three days and three nights, He's in that tomb. Then on Easter morning, the third day, the resurrection took place, and Jesus rose again. May I remind you that this day is very important because everything rises or it falls on the resurrection. Christ may have died for sins, but maybe a lot of religious leaders died, but they're dead from Confucius, and Buddha, and all of them. The only one that rose again is Jesus Christ. So that's why the resurrection is so very, very important. Now, while Christ's body was in the tomb, where was he? Where did he go? And what did he do? And I'd like to try to answer some of that from this very unique scripture that I read to you this morning. It's very interesting. And it, it answers the question, and it takes us to three basic places. The first place is the tree. Verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just, for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Now, when I say tree, I'm referring to the cross. Look at First Peter 2, 24, and you read who uh, his own self, the Lord Jesus, bear our sins in his own on the tree. Now, we're talking here about the cross. And before this tree, there was another tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the first Adam ruined us by by partaking of that tree. And it affected all the human race. Now, the second Adam on another tree brings redemption and salvation to the family, the human family. Now, these verses speak of the very uniqueness of that tree or that cross, Jesus suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Christ suffered physically in his body on the cross. He was like a gigantic altar, and all the sins of the human race are poured out upon his body, and he bore it there at Calvary. He not only suffered physically, he suffered spiritually in his soul. In Isaiah 53, verse 10, thou shalt make his soul an offering For sin. And the night before Jesus was hung on the cross in the garden, he prayed, Now is my soul exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Now we know what death means. Death means separation. When we talk about physical death, we're talking about the soul being separated from the body. When we talk about spiritual death, we're talking about the soul being separated from God. And that's why when Jesus prayed on the cross, the seven sayings, one of them, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in that moment, when Jesus Christ was made sin, the Lord God poured out his wrath on sin and Jesus suffered in his soul. He's abandoned. He's forsaken by God. And uh, his soul became a reservoir of all the putrid polluted fountains of human sin, literally poured into the heart of Christ and he suffered the just for the unjust. Jesus was the just. You and I, we were the unjust. Jesus was sinless. You and I had sinned for all have sinned and all have come short. And that means when he died for us, he resolved this dilemma. Now look at 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, the just one, to be sin for us that we might be declared the righteousness of God in him. And the Bible says that he did it once for all. That means he'll never have to be repeated. You go back into Old Testament history and the priests would go into the temple and they would carry the blood of a sacrifice and they would pour it out for the sins of the people and they'd have to turn right back around and do it again the next year and the next year and the next year and they repeated it over and over. But when Jesus on the cross said it's finished, it meant there'll never have to be another lamb sacrificed again for sin. So he, not only the uniqueness, but he talks about the effectiveness of the cross. Verse 18, that he might bring us to God so that we could know God, we could meet God. Now, if you've ever met a dignitary, somebody had to introduce you to that dignitary. You don't just walk up to the President of the United States without an introduction. And Jesus, his job is to introduce us. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. We come to God through Christ. D.L. Moody, the famed evangelist of America and of England, he, uh, he was in a crusade. That night, he would left his hotel room and was headed to the big building where the crusade was. Thousands were packed in there. You had to have a ticket to get in. Others were standing outside and couldn't get in. And he noticed a small boy crying, and he loved children. If you remember, he had been a shoe salesman after his conversion He started the Sunday school there in Chicago for little kids, and soon he was running over a 1,000 street kids that came into his Sunday school class. He loved children. When he saw this little boy cry, he stopped everything, and he leaned down and he said, Son, why are you crying? And the little boy looked up, and he said, because Mama said the greatest preacher in the world is in there. His name is Moody. And I wanted to go in and hear him, but the big men said, I can't go in because I don't have a ticket. And Moody looked at the little boy, and he said, you grab my coat tail. Back in those days, their jacket coats had long tails. He said, just grab a hold of the tail of my coat and hang on. Anywhere I go, you follow the tail of the coat. He walked up to the door. The door opened and Moody walked in. The little boy's hanging on to that coattail. The usher looked down. He saw the boy and he smiled and said, welcome, son. And I want to tell you something. If I, when I get to heaven, if somebody says, LaSalle, why are you here? What have you done? What makes you worthy? Why would you merit heaven? I'm just going to simply answer, I got in on the coattails of Jesus. That's the only way that you're going to get through as well. It's through him. So, this scripture takes us to a tree, but now it moves to to a tomb. Notice the last part of verse 18, being put to death in the flesh, that's the physical body, but quickened or made alive in the spirit. Now, when Jesus died, he experienced physical death. He literally died in the physical body. He was dead. I'm saying he was dead, 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 dead. They had to pull the nails out of his hands and his feet. They had to bring his body down from off of that cross, drape it over their shoulders, and carry it over to a place where they would wash his body clean, get off the blood and all of that. Then they would roll his body into a linen filled with spices. And they would take him to a borrowed tomb of Joseph where nobody had ever been buried before, and they would roll the stone over the entrance. The Bible says he was put to death in the body, but the rest of the statement, did you notice it, But he was made alive in the spirit. Now, that's saying that Jesus Christ, though he was dead in the physical body, he was very much alive in spirit. Really, when anyone dies, your body's dead. They put you in a casket. They bury you. But you, your spirit will be alive. There will be a conscious existence of you someplace, somewhere. Fact of the matter, if you're a Christian and you've given your heart to Christ, the Bible says to be absent from the body, that's when we die, is to be present with the Lord. You're going to be living somewhere. Now, if you die without God, you'll be like the man that Jesus said died, and was buried, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He was dead in his body, he was buried, but his spirit was very much existence and conscience in the torments of hell. And here the Lord Jesus is dead physically for three days and three nights. During that time, he's alive in reference to his spirit. So that brings us to two questions. While his body is there in that grave or that tomb, where was his spirit? What did he do? Where where did he go? And what was he about during that time? When you study the Bible, you put it all together. Before the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the realm of the dead, there were two locations. It seems there was a realm for the wicked dead and it was called Hades. Some translation calls it hell. Then there was another location called paradise or Abraham's bosom. Some call it upper Hades where the saints who had died before Christ had come. And the lower part, lower Hades, hell, where the wicked dead were placed. And if you could look into the lower Hades, you would find the fallen angels or demons who had been cast out of heaven. Now go back to 1 Peter 3, 19, by which also he, that's the Lord Jesus, went and preached under the spirits in the prison. He went. I want you to catch this. You may not have heard this before, but while his body lies for three days and three nights in the tomb, Christ's spirit went to Hades, and the Bible says he went and he preached to the spirits. That little word, went, means that he took a journey. Uh, That same word is used on down in verse 22, where it says, he has gone into heaven. So when Jesus, in his ascension, took a journey to heaven, before he went to heaven, he took a descent, and he went into Hades, into the realm of the dead, the boat of the wicked dead. And I also believe that Jesus went into what was called paradise before the resurrection where the saved dead or the Old Testament saints were. Now, can you imagine during those three days and three nights, Jesus walking through Hades? I can't even hardly imagine all the demons of the damned. They're surprised when they saw him and they recognized him and they said, it's him. It's him and the word began to spread through all of the lost of hell, it's him. I can see him walking and I can see a thief look at him, and i a surprise. And he says, it's him. Now, I'm not talking about the redeemed thief. I'm talking about the other thief that was on the other side who had scorned him and mocked him and blasphemed him. He had said, if you are who you say you are, why don't you come down from the cross and save yourself? And he had just died beside of him, and now he looks over and hears Jesus walking through the flames, and he said, it's him. I've missed it, and it's him. I can imagine the Lord Jesus Christ as he's walking through paradise, the bold of the, the righteous dead before the resurrection. All of the Old Testament saints are shouting for joy, and they're cheering and saying, it's him, it's him. And then the other thief who had repented while dying on the cross. Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus said, Today shalt thou be with me where? In paradise. He's walking through Upper Hades or paradise. And that thief recognized him and said to everybody, It's him. And one of these days, if Jesus doesn't come soon, every one of us are going to close our eyes in death. We'll open our eyes in glory and we'll behold him and he'll say, Well done, welcome. And we'll say it's him. Now, there's two different words for preach translated here in the New Testament. One of those words is to preach the gospel. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Whenever I try to preach on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's good news. It's called the gospel. And it means I'm inviting you that you can be saved, have the forgiveness of sin. And I would go on to add, there's another word here for this word preach. And that word means to make that announcement. Jesus Christ went and he made an announcement to the spirits in prison. And in First Philippians, or rather in Philippians 2.10, the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess, of things, now catch this, I'd never seen it before, in heaven, things in the earth and things under the earth. He's making that announcement in heaven and on earth and under the earth, which is Hades. When Christ said it's finished, everyone on earth can be saved. When he said it's finished, those in hell who thought he was dead and we thought we'd buried him, and Jesus said in three days, I'm going to come out of the tomb. Jesus made an announcement in paradise. He said, "I'm talking. I'm taking you out of here." You want to read it? It's Matthew 27, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Catch this. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, our text takes us to a third basic place. It's called the throne. Look at verse 22. It's talking about his ascension. He's going into heaven. He's on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Notice in verses 20 and 21, it talks about salvation. I don't know of a better subject for any of us. He achieved that called salvation on that tree of Calvary where he died for your sins and mine. And then there in the tomb, three days and three nights that you and I would not have to be lost, but that we could experience salvation. Then he gives two beautiful examples or pictures or portrayals of salvation. Look at verse 20. He uses the picture of the flood and it goes all the way back to Noah and he, he talks about an ark that Noah had built an ark and it's a picture of salvation. Look at verse 21, it says the like figure, that means it's a picture of or an illustration of. And he's saying the ark was this illustration of salvation. And when God told Noah to build the ark, he told Noah, I want you to pitch it within and the outside of those walls. And tar tar was made, and it made it watertight. And he had so put tar on the outside and on the inside that not a drop of water could get through onto the inside. They sealed it. And that word tar, T-A-R, there in the Old Testament is a very same word for atonement in the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that God, through salvation, can... Get us in that even the devil can't get to where we're at, and cannot steal us out of the hand of God if we want to stay by choice in the will of God. Now, the second picture here is verse twenty-two gives another illustration, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now, be be careful of what he says here. He's not saying here that the water of baptism saves you. He's saying that baptism is a picture of the reality that saves us. And he ties it to the very last part of verse 21 by the resurrection of Jesus. It's not the baptism. It's not the water that saves you. Baptism is a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ who saves us. We're saved because of what Christ did, not what I've done. That's why I said a while ago, when I get to the front doors of heaven and they ask, do you have anything going for you? I can simply say, I don't have anything going for me. I don't merit salvation. I've come up short. I've missed the mark many, many times. But I'll get in because I'm holding on to the coattails of Jesus Christ, his righteousness. I was unrighteous. Unjust, he's just, but I take on his righteousness. Means I'm made right by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what Easter is all about. Father, we thank you for this occasion that brought us together. There are many watching by live stream, others will watch by telecast. We pray just for a moment, take the message, bundle it together. And anoint it to listening ears. Speak to hearts that are in trouble. There may be some so discouraged and so down that they don't believe there's any hope, but remind them they can have a resurrection in their life. They can get up out of the mess and out of the spiritual death they find themselves in, and they can be made alive in Christ. Let it happen. Let it happen all across the countryside. May people on this special day and even long after when they watch by telecast or by podcast, may they realize that Jesus went to a tree and went from the tree to a tomb, made his way to a throne and is now in the presence of God for us. 24 hours a day, day or night, we can come and just simply say Jesus and he begins to interpret our prayer to the Father. We can find forgiveness of sin and live our lives heading toward heaven because Christ came and rose again from the dead. Dismiss us, I pray, with your blessings. Make this to be a blessed day that we honor you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Stand together with me. Thanks for joining us this morning. Get the word out. Let's, let's have an incredible crowd next Sunday morning. Didn't the... Uh, Singers and the praise band, didn't they do well this morning? <laughs> Tremendous music, great announcements, and I got excited myself. I think I'm going to come back next Sunday. Look for you out there in the dark. Visit as long as you want. May God bless you as you go. Sing us out. Play us out. Something. On Friday a on Sunday you came. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit usirisnazarene.org.